Hey everyone, welcome or welcome back to the Brave Church Podcast, and thanks for listening. At the end of this talk, please take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on Facebook or Instagram, where you can get even more connected to what's going on in our community. But most importantly, we hope the following talk inspires you to take your next step in finding or following Jesus. So this is Vision Sunday. What does that mean? What is Vision Sunday? We're going to talk about where we've been this last year and what God has done so far. And then in a little bit, my dad, Pastor Darren, he's going to talk about where we're going. But we wanted to begin by celebrating everything that God has done through us here at Brave Church in the last year. And we have a lot to celebrate. I was talking to someone just before the gatherings today, and he asked me, hey, are you guys going to share some of what last year's vision was and what was accomplished because we just came a few months ago. And I know that's a lot of your story if you weren't here a year ago at our last Vision Sunday. And so we uh, accomplished everything that we set out to accomplish this last year. And so uh, let's recap here a little bit. We, our vision last year was split into three different categories, helping the helpless, preparing a place for ministry, and spreading the gospel. And so let's start with helping the helpless. Um, We gave to a new day for children. This is an organization that rescues and rehabilitates young girls and boys caught in sex trafficking locally right here in Oakland. We gave to Teen Esteem. This is a Christian organization that's actually able to go onto our public school campuses, which in the Bay Area, that's not an easy thing to do for a faith-based organization. But one of the things that is, has been a, a growing problem in our region is teen suicide. And so teen esteem is able to go on campuses and talk to students about their, their value, their worth, um, dealing with anxiety and stress and all kinds of stuff. And so they're a great organization that we've been able to partner with. And there's also more that we want to do this year. And so we'll talk about that in a little bit. But the other thing that we identified, looking at the needs of our valley, is that 50% of families who are renting are in a category classified as overburdened, meaning over 30% of their income is going straight to rent. And then one of the next big expenses was after school care. And so we launched the Brave Kids After School Care Program. And we want to do this in such a way, yeah, we want to help alleviate some of the financial burden. So this program is still in its infancy. It took a while. You know, there's lots of licensing um, requirements and, and preparation that needed to be done. And so it's in its pilot phase right now. We're going to be welcoming more families in the new year, and then in the fall will be a big grand opening. And so one of the things that we needed to do is buy a van to transport kids from school to the church. And so we got the Brave Kids van. Check this out. Isn't that awesome? It moonlights as a party bus. The second initiative was to prepare a place for ministry. So ministry happens, people meet here, and and gatherings are happening all throughout the week. God gave us this building, he gave us this property, and he gave it to us to be a blessing. And so there are other churches that use it, there are other organizations that use it, and so we wanted to update some things. And so some of the things that we updated, um, we, we updated our kids' classroom. We actually turned one of our rooms into a classroom, which will help for the after-school care program, but also for their lesson on Sunday. 
Sunday. We've got tables and chairs. And by the way, if you're a parent here and you've never seen our kids' rooms, they're amazing. And we just want you to know anytime you can go up there and check those out. Um, but the, the kids needed classrooms. And then we also added games and things that made it more fun for them to, to be in there during their free time. And then in our youth room, we repainted it. We remodeled the stage, the lighting. It's now a multi-purpose youth room. But we also added games to one of the sections for middle school. Now, how many of you want to volunteer in a middle school program with nothing for them to do during their free time? So we're saving lives with ping pong, with Xbox and foosball and all kinds of fun stuff. And so, but one of the big things that we had to do in, in preparing a place for some of this ministry is to get licensed for the after school care program, we actually had to make our playground bigger. But we didn't just want to make it bigger, we really wanted to make it better. And so check out this before photo of what our playground, so see that dinky little play structure for like two kids? Um, check out the after shot. So this is what we did. Isn't that awesome? That happened this last year. See, some of you, you don't, you don't even know that that happened this year. Isn't that amazing? And so the last thing that we wanted to do was spread the gospel. Every Sunday, we preach the life-changing, life-transforming message of Jesus Christ. And by the power of God's spirit, people's hearts are being awakened to this message, and their lives are being changed. But as messengers, God does his part, but we also have our part to play. And so every Sunday, over 100 Team Brave volunteers are helping put on what we do here on Sundays. Isn't that awesome? From our kids, to our hospitality, to our ushers and greeters, to the people you see on this stage, it takes all of us. And so with that, we want to present the gospel with excellence, and we want to give God our best. And so one of the things that we talked about was putting our teaching online so that it could reach beyond this room. And to do that, we had to update our lighting. We had to update our stage. We had to get a camera. We actually had to create a team that didn't exist a year ago. We didn't have a lighting team. We didn't have a video team. And so I want to give a shout out to Josh Wood, our worship pastor. And all of the amazing team members that just dove in. I mean, we didn't have any pros that like knew how to run lights. We didn't have anyone that knew how to work this video equipment. I mean, we had to learn it all and figure it out. And now we've got this incredible team that's already rotating on Sundays. And so we're really grateful for people that got behind the vision, that funded it, but also that, that jumped in and figured out how to do it. So this is amazing. Um, we actually, last week, two weeks ago, launched the Brave YouTube channel. And so this will be our third Sunday, putting the talks online. And we have people that are following along from all over. We're getting tagged in social media posts of people that are watching Brave. Uh, one, one girl was watching Brave on her lunch break in Texas. And then another family was watching from their living room in New York. So the gospel is spreading. We actually already have over 75 subscribers to our YouTube channel, and we just launched it. So that's another great way for you to get connected is subscribing to that, and then um, you'll get updates as new things are uploaded. There's lots of other content that we're putting on that as well. Um, but I want to end with this before we move on to the future. Um, I want to share with you two really important numbers. These numbers represent the lives being changed here at Brave Church, okay? And the first is 250. 250 people decided to follow Jesus so far this year. 
And the next is 51. 51 people have been baptized. So this is where we've been in 2018, and this is what God has done through us. Now, let's dream together about the future. by what we're for. We're to be known by loving God and loving people. Loving God and loving people is the most important thing we do. And so for this generation and future generations to come, the Bay Area will be impacted by the gospel. This is our moment. This is our responsibility. We're building the reputation of Jesus in the San Ramon Valley, helping people find and follow Jesus. All right, let's do this. Give yourself a fist pump. Yeah. All right, today's talk is titled, It's Personal, because we take the vision that God has given us personally. What's personal to you? Friendships, your marriage, your kids, your finances, your hobbies, your politics, your causes, your faith, whatever it is, it's personal because it's connected to you. And when something is personal, It matters more than things that aren't. Things that are personal can be public or they can be private. For example, when you got invited to a wedding, you got invited to somebody else's wedding. It was personal to them. It was done publicly. But in private, it was way more personal to the people that were involved. It's personal. You invite people because you have a connection with them, because you love them and you want them to be there on your special day. When a person is baptized, it's public, but it's also personal. It's a declaration to your community, but it started out as being a personal decision just between you and God. Some personal moments are more private, like the first time you said, I love you, or when you gave birth to your very first child, you probably didn't want everyone in the room. It's kind of personal, unless you got crazy and YouTubed it which is weird. (laughs) Personal moments, they can be public or they can be private. They can be big or they can be small. What makes them personal isn't their size or the level of privacy. It's personal because you're connected to it in some way. It's personal because we care. It's because we're emotional about it. It's because it involves our experiences in our life, something that affects the people that we love. What's personal to you? Let me tell you about what's personal to me. The church. The church is personal to me because I believe the church is the solution to the pain of our world. That our Savior laid down his life for our youth and for our families and our community. 
And the church is God's only plan for helping people find and follow Jesus. We live in one of the largest mission fields in the entire world is here internationally in the Bay Area. We are in one of the most strategic places for the gospel to spread throughout the entire world. The foundation that we build here matters. Brave is going to change the spiritual climate of the Bay Area and beyond for many, many generations to come. And we're going to do this and it's going to outlive us because we are a city set on a hill. We are a light in the darkness. And this is a big year for Brave Church. Every year is. But this year, we're establishing a foundation because it's personal. Because God has big, long-term plans for loving people who haven't been loved yet in this region. Is building the church personal to you? What I mean is this. Are you invested? Do you see people who need to be loved? Do you see how important what we're doing together really is? Now, if you're here and you're still exploring your faith or it's your first Sunday, let's be honest, building the church probably isn't something personal to you. Why would it be, right? We get that. That's okay. In fact, if you're here just joining us for the first time, you might be thinking, did I pick the right Sunday to come? This is kind of intense, right? And I would just say yes. Yes, if doing good and bettering humanity to you and to other people If that's something that you value, you're going to be excited about what we have to say. And I'm really glad you're here. Just know that we're not asking anything of you. You're our guest this morning. And we just hope that that we can help you find what you're looking for. However, for some of us here today, it's personal. And you might be here today, and on the inside, you're just saying, give me the vision, right? You're all in. You're pumped. You're on the edge of your seat. You saw the teaser online this week and you canceled your vacation to Maui so that you could be here. Way to go. And some of you canceled going to Manteca. Way to go. I'm proud of you too. I love you for doing that. And I just want to say something that's from the heart of God that God put on my heart this week because for some of you, for some of you, it used to be personal. But somewhere along the way, some things happen. Some things happen in the church that you used to attend. You were hurt. You were offended. Maybe a leader let you down in a significant way. Sometimes we get hurt because our expectations are way up here. But reality delivers way down here. And quite honestly, we feel like giving up. Maybe you want to care. And you want to care even more about this amazing thing that Jesus came to build called the church. Maybe you once cared a great deal about the vision of the church. But you're just not sure anymore. Can I trust again? Should I get my hopes up that high again? Believe it or not, I once was disillusioned myself by the church. In 1989, my wife Tracy and I were starting a discipleship training school for youth with a mission. They call it YWAM up out of Chico. Samuel was two years old and Tracy was pregnant with Isaac. And our home church was financially supporting us as missionaries. But while we were away from our home church, our church began to struggle and it began to decline in in numbers. And rumors began to circulate about 
our pastor abusing his power and having an affair. This was just heartbreaking because for Tracy and I, he was our our childhood pastor that we grew up with, and he was the pastor who married us and dedicated Samuel. I was still an elder on the board at our church, and so they, they asked me to come back to be part of the mediation between the elders, the pastor, and a third-party mediator. And we knew at, of at least one woman that the pastor was allegedly having an affair with, but her husband had threatened to harm her if she went public with the truth. When we met with our pastor and the third-party mediator, the elders agreed to, to generously pay his salary for an entire year and to pay for all of his counseling in hopes of restoration. We were trying to be loving and do the right thing in the midst of this crisis. And so he and his wife agreed to this. And so because they agreed to this, there was a public meeting that was called for all the members of the church so that he could resign and share with everyone. And the goal was to have a peaceful, God-honoring resignation. And so on that night, uh, more people were in attendance than had ever even attended that church, right? It was like big news. And uh, the pastor got up, and he was supposed to gracefully resign. But then things turned. And instead of resigning, when he got up to speak, he showed no courage and no integrity. He changed his whole story and implied that the elders were in a conspiracy to get him out. And the crowd turned into a mob and went crazy. And I saw my best friend and some of my other close friends rush the stage. And instead of having the pastor sit down and explain himself, they wanted answers from the elders the elders and the other people that he had deceived. There had been private meetings going on. It was an absolute nightmare. And because we couldn't out the woman who was still at risk in a very abusive relationship, so we didn't know what to do. And all we could do was humbly ask people to trust. I had been away on the mission field for quite some time now, but before that I was... I was their youth pastor. I'd led many of them to the Lord and discipled many of them and and was their pastor. But I'd been gone for a while. We had years of credibility and trust and relationship. So I thought, well, my heart just went out to everybody. I thought, well, maybe I could help in some way. And so I came up onto the stage and I tried to speak peace to the crowd that night. But while I was speaking, my best friend stands up in mid-sentence. And then my other friend, and my other friend, and my other friend, and they walk out in protest while I'm speaking. To say that I was hurt and disappointed is is an understatement. And I was so bewildered, like, what is going on? I mean, we're, we're trying to stand for truth and grace. This is so messy. What did our church become? In the days that followed, Tracy and I were the brunt of angry friends who had been deceived and lied to by their pastor and his wife. That night, I lost my best friend, and I lost my mentor and my spiritual leader and my pastor. It was one of the most intense and stressful times of our young married life. And shortly thereafter, our youngest son was born, and he had surgery, and later we discovered that Isaac had cerebral palsy. And these people who loved us, who did church with us, who walked with us, 
began to make accusations that Isaac's disability was because we were cursed. That night, our church split, and the pastor and about 40 people went down the road and formed a new church. And by default, there was no other pastor left at our church. I became the pastor, and I ended up giving it away to another church that was in that community that was really healthy and strong. Maybe you've been part of a disappointment in church life. Maybe your church fell apart, literally. Maybe it should have fell apart. I hope that you've never been turned on like that. But chances are with a crowd this size, you know what it is to be betrayed by, quote, brothers and sisters in your own church family. You've experienced the pain of that, those unfortunate experiences in church. Here's the deal. Stuff happens. People make mistakes. It's not God's fault. And it's not the church's fault. There's no perfect churches this side of eternity because we all go to them. There's people in churches. People do weird things. You go, are you kidding me? But there is a church that's worth loving and investing and building together. And yeah, it's messy. I've been a follower of Jesus for nearly six decades now, which is amazing because I'm only 50. (laughs) But at 51 years of age, okay, I'm older, uh, Pastor Samuel and I, we, and our family, we, we re-envisioned what church could be and what that might look like in the Bay Area. And over the years, we've seen the dark side of church life. Unfortunately, that's just one story. And I think that when there's something really good and something really, really matters, don't you think darkness comes against it? But we've seen the good side of church life, too for now four decades. And without having all the answers or having everything figured out, we've begun to move towards one goal. And that's to build the kind of church that Jesus came to start. Have we gotten it perfect? Are you kidding me? There's no way we're gonna get it perfect. We're just people. We're learning, we're growing. I thought you said this. I thought you meant that. I mean, we're just trying to communicate. Does anyone get church perfect? Of course not. I don't think so. I don't think that God is looking for perfect people in a perfect church. I think he looks more for people that are willing to trust, willing to try, willing to get up, willing to continue to move forward in unity and faith together. Friends, family, loved ones, it's personal what we're doing because we're all coming from different backgrounds, ethnicities, Nations here together, and we're collecting together to have an experience together called the church. And as followers of Jesus, we all have a responsibility to take God's mission in this world personally. It's personal means it matters to us, that it's important to us. And so there's a passage that's written by a guy named Matthew and uh, he was one of Jesus' 12 disciples. Jesus had many disciples, but these 12 went with him everywhere. And it's an amazing passage, but it's even more amazing when you know a little bit about the guy who wrote it. You see, Matthew, his original career was a tax collector. And tax collectors were hated by people because they were so corrupt. 
They actually had the power to overcharge people and make them pay more taxes. So they would literally overcharge by four and five times the amount. And the people had no way to get out of it. Tax collectors would literally rip people off. And so Matthew was hated. And he took a lot of heat from that. And no matter what he did after that, he was not liked. But when he started following Jesus, he had this massive change of heart. The guy was so despised by so many people, you know that had to build up some resentment in his heart. But then things begin to change on the inside. And he starts to see people around him the way that Jesus sees them. And he writes about what he sees in Jesus in this passage that we're going to read. It beautifully depicts God's heart for people. And so we find in this passage, there's three things that I want to share with you. Three things that you can know it's personal. And I love this passage because it's Jesus just doing the things that Jesus does. So if you have your Bible, you can turn to Matthew chapter 9. Uh, If you need program notes, just raise your hand. The ushers will get those to you or follow along on the screen. But we're going to pick up in Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. It's personal when, number one, You start to see and feel something. When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and they were helpless like sheep without a shepherd. The word compassion here means to feel deep sympathy. Those that were leading them were getting in the way. These leaders didn't have the the heart for them. They, They weren't willing to sacrificially give of their lives for them. And so Matthew knew these kinds of leaders all too well. But Jesus looked around and he saw the people. And it became personal when Matthew began to see what Jesus saw. When Matthew began to see the people and have compassion for them too. When you begin to stop and not just see the crowds. And there's plenty of crowds in the Bay Area. When you see people's faces When you stop in the market, in the grocery store, in the parking lot, at work, and you actually look into the eyes of people, and you see the discouragement, and the depression, and the anxiety, and the worry, when you see that, and you're moved with compassion, it becomes personal. Jesus sees the people of the Bay Area. Jesus sees our neighbors the team of people that you're working with, the people who serve you at the local restaurant. He sees the youth and the kids in our valley. Verse 37. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. It becomes personal when you start to see and feel something. And it becomes personal, number two, when you take on the problem. Jesus says the harvest is ripe, meaning there are many people all over this region that are ready to receive the gospel message. But it's only personal for a few. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Is this personal for you? It's personal when you begin to prioritize your life around what matters to God. When you consider, how could I help my neighbor, my coworker, 
to help them to know Jesus and to follow Jesus. When your heart is changed like Matthew's and you, you just begin to see people differently and you're filled with gratitude of what God has done for you, that it overflows into your life and that you have to share with other people and you want to do something about it. It's now your problem too. But let's be honest, this can be a bit overwhelming because the need for Jesus where we live is huge. I think Jesus knew that it would be like just too much of a burden for us. When you really stop and think about it and the needs that are around us here in the Bay Area, it's heavy. And it's way more than any one of us can handle because we weren't meant to. So you know what he says next? He says in verse 38, Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Jesus says, ask God for help. And what does that look like? It looks like me, and it looks like you, and all of us together taking on this problem. It's called the church, and it looks like the church in action. And number three, it's personal when you're moved to do something. Together, we're going to continue making a difference in 2019. We've had an amazing year this year. So everyone, I want you to pull out your vision flyer there that's inside of your program. It's black on one side, black and white on the other side. And I want, to, I want you to follow along as we talk through what we're com- what's coming up this year, because we're going to unify around three different areas, our youth, our families, and our community, our youth. Did you know that 85% of Jesus' followers make that decision to follow him before age 18? And 80% of those kids drop out of church. The second leading cause of teen death is suicide in the San Ramon Valley. There was a 110% increase this year. It's time... We take our youth personal. So what are we going to do about it? First of all, we're going to hire a full-time youth pastor. We started a search for a youth pastor last spring. And we've had many, many wonderful applicants. People want to work here. That's a good thing. And we're getting close to making a final decision. And we're hoping that by December 9th on Foundation Sunday that we can announce that person to you. Our new youth pastor, along with our team of leaders and parents, are going to develop our Brave Youth program. And it's going to be a ministry structured in such a way that it reaches beyond one local high school campus. You see, we have students and families from all around this region that attend Brave. And so we need a ministry that reflects that into our community regionally in the way that we minister. We're also going to continue supporting uh, Tina Steam, a local outreach. Tina Steam has spoken to 8,881 students just this year in 27 schools in this valley. Students are dealing with high levels of anxiety, depression, and suicide. The need is huge. Prescription drug abuse is the fastest growing epidemic in the U.S. Last month, last month here in this valley, Age 16 and 18-year-old within this valley overdosed within three days of each other. Students are overwhelmed, and they need our help, and we have to step up. We're also going to continue with our support of New Day for Children, which rescues and restores young girls ages 10 to 18 in human trafficking. Listen to this. This year alone, we rescued eight girls. In the last three months, we rescued three more. Amen. 
One of the girls recently changed her public name to Chance because she's been given a chance at a whole new life. Our youth. Next is our families. What are we going to do for our families? Did you know that one of the biggest needs for a family is a plan for how to parent? You know, we get married, we go, oh, I'm having my first child. Now what do I do? Well, I guess I just love them. How's that working for you? There's way more to this. It's not like you get a schematic, you know, in the mail or here's how, you know, but we're going to help with that. We also need encouragement as families. We also need to know that our families are safe. And sometimes we even need a little financial relief along the way. So here's what we're going to do. May, it's already scheduled, 2019, a parenting seminar. We're going to host the foremost parenting seminar in the country. It's called Intentional Parents. That'll be here for you. Brave Kids Care. I don't know if you've noticed, but we're going to continue offering Brave Kids Care at all of our events for families. Sometimes it's a barrier. I really want to come, but do they have child care? We're going to continue offering that on seek nights and trainings and fast tracks and all the events that we have. We want to help with all of those costs to help parents here. A security system. We have a great security team here at Brave, but it's time to go to a whole nother level. We need to install video cameras, alarms, and locks enhancements as well. So we want to do that. Those in need. We're establishing a fund to help those in need. I don't know if you've ever read this verse, but it's in Galatians chapter 6, verse 10. It says this, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Do you think anyone in our church family should go without? That's a question. No, I don't think so. We can do something about that together. Lastly, our community. The old paradigm was uh, think of the mission field as anywhere but where you are. But the reason that we started Brave Church here in the Bay Area is because this is our mission field. This is a huge international need. And when Jesus said, the poor will be with us always, he was speaking to many types of poverty. I want you to think about this. Four types of poverty. Number one, the most important poverty is not financial. It is spiritual. Nine out of 10 people in this valley, do not know God or have a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's been estimated 97.3% in this valley. That is a staggering amount of people in one area to not be following Jesus. And so our mission as a church family is to help people find and follow Jesus. This is our first mission. And our hope is that we can introduce people to a real and authentic expression of faith and that they'll come to know God, that we have a heart for people outside of our community as well. Of course, we care about the rest of the world. Of course, we'll do things like that in the future. But our first responsibility for God before God is right where we live, our neighbors that are right here, which is why this year, it's all about laying a foundation. Spiritual poverty is at an all-time high in this region. Secondly, you know about financial poverty. 50% of the families in San Ramon that are renting are overburdened financially. More and more people are moving out of this area. Number three, significance. Many people are living without a sense that they matter. 
And they have no larger purpose. We see it in our kids and our youth that are taking their lives. And it's not just kids. There's a poverty of, do I matter? Do I have value? Is there any acceptance anywhere? Or is it always about performance and being driven? And then number four, there's a poverty in our community. It is a silent killer of people. 50% of all the adults in the San Ramon Valley feel lonely and isolated, 50%. I feel lonely and I feel isolated. So what are we gonna do for our community to meet these needs in all these categories? How are we going to be the church filled with compassion and taking action? Well, there's a lot of things we're gonna do, but we're gonna continue our annual outreaches, Orange Fest and Easter Fest, It's through Orange Fest and Easter Fest that we we literally create family traditions. You can grow up with your kids here at Brave and create family, beautiful family memories and portraits of your kids. And remember every year we went to Orange Fest, remember Easter Fest. And we're building a bridge to the community. And every year, more and more people are hearing about this and they're coming to this campus and they're feeling comfortable here. They're saying, well, these people are kind of normal. They're kind of fun. And the next thing you know, hey, a home church, what's that? Oh, that's cool. They go to a home church. There's other couples, other individuals, singles, just like them. And they're finding relationship. They're finding wholesomeness. They're finding encouragement. And then eventually they end up here on a Sunday morning at a gathering like this. Brave after-school care. The pilot has been launched and it's underway. Here's what else we're going to do. The exterior of this campus, it needs a major makeover. Like it doesn't look at all like how you look on the inside. (laughs) We've got to make the outside look as good as you look on the inside. So we're going to do a major makeover on the outside together. People find Brave primarily through, they're invited by a friend the internet, or they drive by and see our signs. So here's what we're going to do. We're all going to pitch in and we're going to put a major well-lit sign on this brick face facing the freeway. It's, you're going to see it from the freeway. Yeah. It's, it's going to be iconic. All right. I'm just saying. Next, we're going to continue helping people find community in our home churches and relationships and significance through our fast track, through our starting point, our generous hospitality. We are known for our hospitality here. I mean, you could start with the gateway drug of donuts and end up with coffee or whatever you need here. It's amazing. But we always have hospitality, and we love that. Now, listen to this. I am so encouraged about what's been going on. Right now on Tuesday nights, our starting point class is filled with people, some 20-some people that are exploring their faith. And here's what, some of the, here's what some of them are saying. These are actual quotes. I want you to hear this and just let it sink in what's being said. Quote, I've been coming to Brave for one year. I've never been to church before. Didn't grow up with church. And I come because I'm happiest when I'm here. It's the best part of my week. Isn't that great? Here's another one. There's something magical that's so welcoming about Brave. It's why I'm here and keep coming, 
even though I'm not all in yet. I love that. I've been coming to Brave for one year. And now I'm all in for Jesus and desire to live a Christian lifestyle. Man, we're living our mission together. And these are just a handful of quotes. There's so many stories. There are people that are in front of you and behind you and left and right that could tell you amazing stories and how they've been finding Jesus and then how their lives have changed as they're beginning to follow Jesus and how they're beginning to see, like Matthew, who they're beginning to see people differently. They're beginning to see the way Jesus sees the crowds and the people that are around us. When we feel moved to get involved, when we take it personal, incredible things happen. Would you stand with me? Because I want us to do something together. I want us to sing a song that's really been a declaration of our church. In the last year or two, we've had amazing breakthroughs in every single area of our church. But we believe that we're just getting started. And so as we sing this song, I want you to think about two things. I want you to think about the breakthrough that we're just getting started, Brave Church. Just think of what's going to happen just in the next five to 10 years. And you get to be a part of it. You're founders. And then secondly, I want you to declare in faith the breakthrough that God has for you personally, what God wants to do in your life. And I want you to begin to hope again, way up here. I want you to begin to trust again, way up here. I want you to begin to love again and to love Jesus' church because it's beautiful. No, nobody in here is perfect, but it's beautiful to build a community that loves Jesus together. Let's sing. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Bay Area, we would love for you to join us at a Sunday gathering in San Ramon. For directions, gathering times, or information about our Brave Kids program, visit us at brave.church. Also, if you want to help support what God is doing through Brave, you can give online to the Brave Foundation at brave.church forward slash foundation.